thought it was going to... The show's off the rails! <laughs> haven't even started yet. Hello, 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 everybody. I am Pedro. And I'm Meredith. And this is Gritty Reboot, the grittiest damn show about reboots that there has ever been in the world. There's nails. Nails, there's, there's rust. Yeah. We're in a dirty environment. There's dirt everywhere. Exactly. The b- Behind us is like the background of a Streets of Rage game. Yeah, there That's you go. all that's here. This week is exciting. We are continuing it. Yeah. This time, we follow the Losers Club to the greatest era of all time, the late 80s. <laughs> yeah. We transport there to take a look at the 2017 remake, and uh, we're pretty excited about it because I'm going to ask you right now, is it your favorite Stephen King adaptation? Probably. Probably? You think so? Yeah. Like, faithful adaptation? You're just, a, yeah, I would say so. Well, I mean, it's however you want to rank it. Yeah, that, that's the thing. The but Shining. It's nothing like the book. The, the Shining isn't like the book at all. It's his own. It's just Kubrick's version. Of yeah. It. He, just, he read The Shining. He was like, all right, I got the gist. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, all right, I'll, I'll figure it out. I, I'll, I'll get there, Stephen. I'll let you know. I don't know why he chose that book. You know, the weirdest part about that is there's a great story that his secretary would tell is that he wanted a new movie to do. So he went and picked up like a bunch of bestsellers and was like reading through them. And she would just be sitting there going through her papers and everything, getting everything ready. And like every like two hours, she would hear like a fuck and like a book hitting the wall or being thrown out in the lobby. And so she just gotten used to it over a course of a couple of days. And then like it was day three and she was working. She realized she hadn't heard anything in like five hours. So she went to go check him and he was just tearing through the shining, uh-huh. tearing through it, which is really weird because that has a, a very slow start for a Stephen King book, mm-hmm. a very slow start. So it's kind of interesting that it, it captured him. But there was something, obviously, that he saw in it that he immediately knew he could turn into, into one of his masterworks. Yeah. So, And that's the thing. It, it only takes the framework of Stephen King's book and just kind of runs with it. So yeah. I think it is a kind of a peculiar adaptation in that way. But movies are movies. Books are books. Games are games. You know, you have to use some level of adaptation to get from one to the other. But out of all the movies that I've seen of Stephen King um, that I enjoyed... I it's a good movie. It is yeah. a good movie. Yeah, this version of it is is very good. It does make some changes from just the, this movie though. I'm, we're not. I'm excluding well, yeah. now. Now we aren't talking about chapter two. two just yet because this film was two hours and just under two hours and twenty minutes. It chapter two is three hours. Uh, both of these movies combined are significantly longer than the miniseries. Yeah. So with that being said, we have divided this into two episodes because it just makes sense. It's two different movies, uh, but we still have a lot to cover on both of these films since this does. Sort of try to tell what is kind of a retelling of the first part of the miniseries, but they basically had this idea of let's just tell the story about the kids and see if we can make that into a movie. Yeah. Because trying to do both storylines at the same time would be impossible in a two hour film. Yeah. And trying to have a movie to where you're hoping the first one's a hit so you can make the second one is a bad idea. So what they did here is almost make a standalone version of it with just the kids. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what it feels. It leaves it open for a sequel, but it's not even strongly really like something that's going to occur, right? Yeah. The movie is a self-contained story that comes to an end. I like the way it's told. I I do, do. I do, too. I I didn't like the way the miniseries flop back and forth between the timelines. I never like that in movies. So when it was kind of split up like the way it is now, it, and, and it makes just, more sense. And that's me. just true to the book. Yeah. And that's just true to the book because you're, yeah. you're dealing with them as they are remembering everything as they get back to Derry. And as they start to recall stuff, Stephen King will just sort of drone on about things that happened to them, you know, in the past and everything like that. 
So there, as far as updates go, I think this is one of the stronger time updates that you might see. Because obviously we go from the the late 50s to the late 80s. Yeah. And that is, I think, a better change to put the finale in modern day. Because I think you you kind of always want to do that. And it is weirdly a timeless story. So I, I think it works pretty well on, on the little things they do to update that, you know. Mm-hmm. I agree. Are you ready to kick this thing off? Yeah, let, let, let's get it started. Let's get it started. Feel like a black eyed pea. Was it the black eyed peas? Did let's get it started or let's get it started? Yeah, that, that's right. Yeah. So in 2017, we got Finn Wolfhard, Jack Dylan Grazer, Jaden Martell, Wyatt Olaf, Sophia Lillis, and the incredibly creepy Bill Skarsgård in yeah. It Chapter One. He's a great, anyways. He absolutely is. There you go. She's all ready, Captain. Thanks, Billy. There had been a long time since there was a big theatrical Stephen King adaptation. And that was something that had people hungry for another adaptation. Yeah. Because people love the work of Stephen King. A lot of people have read his books. And I think if, if, I don't know how you can be an American and not just stumble onto a Stephen King book at some point in your life and attempt to read it. I've never read Stephen King. And that's fine, but you're still familiar with his work. Yeah. Very very familiar. And that was something that it became time to sort of rediscover because there was a lot of bad nineties and O's movies and reboots versions of his stories and enough time had passed to where a generation of filmmakers had grown up with these stories, not just, you know, read them at the time. Mm-hmm. You know, you're talking about people who's, you know, had lived these kind of movies for years and had read Stephen King books over and over again as, as kids growing up on that kind of extreme horror. And that really shows in this adaptation. This is, the, the, the book It is an 1,100-page tome. And to adapt it is something like a miniseries is, is re- like a legitimate miniseries with like multiple like episodes, like 10 episodes or something like that. I mean, you would really need multiple hours to tell it incredibly faithfully. And I think this is such a strong adaptation getting the gist of it. And I, I know I just kind of made the joke about that with Stephen, Co- Stephen Kubrick, Stanley Kubrick and the shining, but this is, like I said, a much longer work, and it does a better job putting that into a two-hour and 15-minute structure. Yeah. And it really does a nice job compressing parts of Stephen King's book into a three-act structure that works. And not just works, is an incredible film with a few negatives. Yeah. With a few negatives. I haven't read the book, but I can, I can just go on my entertainment factor, and it was pretty high. Yeah, as, as an adaptation, it's great. And just as a film, and a I think horror it really movie, is it's fantastic. Great. Yeah. yeah, it's one of my favorite horror movies. So, yeah, let's get into it. Okay. It starts on a rainy day. Does it now? Obviously. Billy is making a sailboat for his little brother. He asked Georgie to go get the wax in the cellar. So, that we have this scene where Georgie is terrified of the cellar and he's apprehensive of going down, but he really wants to take the boat out. So he needs the wax. So he gets the wax and he paints the boat so it'll float. And Georgie takes it outside and lets the boat go. 
and he chases the boat. Yeah, yeah. This is, you know, if you've seen the miniseries, they, they start the exact same way. Mm-hmm. And it's an iconic scene for a reason, and, and this movie adapts it incredibly well. Yeah, because it's like, what the fuck is a clown doing in a drain? Yeah, Long exactly. Yeah. That's the first thing I always think about. I'm like, what the, what the fuck is a clown doing in a storm drain? Yeah. So, anyways, the boat goes out of control and goes down the drain. And this is where we find Pennywise. And Skarsgård's performance here is very different than Tim Curry's. And that's not a bad thing by any means. Mm-hmm. He certainly makes the character his own. But the one thing that I think I took away from this scene that's very different is I always thought Tim Curry played him like a supernatural pedophile. Yeah. Like trying to gain his trust. But this is different from Skarsgård. Pennywise is hungry. Yeah. And he can, like, he's salivating at the smell of Georgie. Yeah, he's And starving. he's struggling to sort of keep the veneer of the clown on so he can run this, this bit. Mm-hmm. You know, because he needs, he, you know, he, he wants them more afraid. You know, that's what makes them taste better. So, like, he's having to try to set everything up perfectly. And I just like the way the Skarsgård plays it. Yeah. It's very different and lets you know how, how this Pennywise is. I like it when he laughs. Yeah. When he gets Georgie to laugh, too. Mm-hmm. And then he quits it, quickly stops it. Yeah. It's really creepy. Yeah, like his human mask. It's, it just, yeah, he it just, just slipped. Yeah, he can, he can only observe us a little bit. And he kind of understands what we're about a bit, but he doesn't always get humans. And I, I like those little things are off. Yeah. In the way he plays the character. It reminds me a little bit like Men in Black, with like wearing a human suit. This whole scene also is a little bit more... It has a little bit more to it than it does in the miniseries. They add more things from the book. Yeah. Like they mentioned the smells, and that's something that they talk about, is he can smell all, everything that you would associate with a carnival, except there's also the smell of wet, rotting leaves among it. You know, so it, it, you know, Pennywise has the power to do these sorts of things, but he still can't control every bit of it. Yeah. I think it's interesting. Georgie goes for his boat, but Pennywise keeps it just out of reach, and he goes further, and then Pennywise eats his arm off. Yeah, so this is something that we only heard we only heard about in the other one. Yeah. And we do actually get to to see here. He does bite Georgie's arm off and Georgie attempts to crawl away. And yeah. it was a pretty brutal scene yeah. that he attempts to and then Pennywise's long arm stretches out and pulls him in, which is a change from the book. His body is found in the book. Mm-hmm. He is not missing. Um, he is absolutely, well, they think it, some people think it could have been an accident, which I don't know how the fuck you could have think a kid with his arms ripped off because of a fucking accident, but the police force in Derry isn't great to say the least. Yeah. And, and so this is a different thing that he has taken. And I like that element that that's a, that's a change and it drives Bill further into the sewers. We'll see later. Yeah. He's obsessed with the further sewers. deeper into the barrens. And then we kick it off. We meet Mike and he has a bolt gun at a sheep's head. But he can't quite pull the trigger. Yeah, yeah. He is cautious. He does not, he's not ready to kill just like that. You know, he, he isn't at that point. His and dad I, I lectures like him about his it. His grandfather, right? Or his grandfather. Yeah, his parents died, remember, in the... That's right, in the fire. And that's, that's a change. And that's a change from this one. That's not how his parents are portrayed, which is fine. He doesn't have to fight a bird monster in this one. And then we meet Beverly. And she's being bullied as well. Sophia Lillis is perfectly cast as Beverly Marsh. Yeah, that's good casting. As I read the book, I don't always see the characters from the movie, but the second Beverly Marsh appeared on screen, I saw Sophia Lillis in that in my head because that's who I imagine in that and always will because her performance is that good. 
You know, it is weird. I combine sort of the cast sometimes <laughs> to, to make it work. Like John Ritter's always going to be Ben to me. That's fine. But she is just a, amazing here. Mm-hmm. And I think she carries off the effortlessness of her character, that how much she is friends with the boys. And that's one thing that I, I always like. I know there's the gangbang in the book, but they, they are friends first and foremost. And she does a great job having chemistry with all the boys like that. I think she's almost a main character. Yeah, I think I would argue she would be the, the lead. The lead, yeah. yeah, because she has so much to do. Pennywise uses a lot of blood on her. I, I know I know. Bill is the technically the leader of the Losers Club, but she gets just as much screen time. And, and she's technically his love interest. I mean, I know yeah. a, there's, a love know there's tri- a Ben thing. There's a love triangle, but that's not really, a th- that's, you know, the, not having the gangbang messes with it. <laughs> very rarely am I going to say things like that, but you understand what I mean. Yeah. And then we meet the boys, and they're all standing around talking about the missing girl. And then we meet Henry, and Henry comes up and immediately starts bullying everybody. He's our... Now, Henry, of course, is a, a piece of shit, but yeah. he's a piece of shit in every medium here. Uh, he's toned down. Well, actually, no, he's straight up willing to murder in the miniseries, right? Mm-hmm. Like, well, even without the influence of Pennywise, let's go in there and kill him. He's fine. But he is certainly a darker character in this one, which is truer to the novel. Yeah, he actually cuts him. Yeah, which is true of the novels. We'll see in a minute. And yes, that is a change that we didn't see in the miniseries. Granted, I can understand they didn't want to see another uh, 10-year-old carved up by a 13-year-old. Maybe yeah. not what you want to see on network prime time. I understand that. Yeah. But that is true of the book. He does get cut. Ben. Ben meets Beverly. And she notices. Seems adorable. I know. Seems adorable. She notices he has a yearbook. And she's like, let me sign your yearbook. And he gives it to her, and there's nobody has signed it. Can I talk about presenting information visually? Mm-hmm. And the book goes on and on about, and it's almost kind of sad that Ben is lonely but doesn't realize how lonely he is. Mm-hmm. You know, he talks about like how would a blind man know what sight is if he'd never seen anything? And it's not till he meets the Losers Club that he realizes kind of how lonely he's been, and. Seeing the yearbook with nobody signed is a fantastic visual way to understand that information yeah. instantly. And that, that's the one advantage of movies. You just have to be clever enough to, to realize that, to get that information across very quickly. What took Stephen King paragraphs to do, a movie can do in a shot. Mm-hmm. And this is a really good example of that. I know it's real simple things, but a lot of movies miss these kinds of marks. Like he could have simply said, I'm tired of being lonely all the time. You know, because some movies yeah. just have characters say how they feel sometimes. We just got done with Rings doing that. And so this was a nice, clever way to do that. But their meeting is very similar to how it was in the book. Things are a little bit different, but the understanding, the point of their meeting is the same. That Ben, for that moment, forever falls in love with Yeah, them. he's in love. Yeah. Forever. Ever. Yeah, it's cute. But she kind of loves him, too. Yeah. In her <laughs> yeah, she kind of loves him, too. Kind of, you know. Yeah. She's more attracted to Bill. Yeah. Anyways. Bill makes it home, and his dad confronts him about the tubes he's put together to depict the sewers. So there's a scene where they're in the garage, and his dad's watching some old movies or something. I don't know. He's doing something like that. And his son comes home, and he immediately starts jumping his ass, because there's like a model of the sewage line in Derry. Yeah, he he basically recreated the entire sewer system down to to the barrens, right? Yeah, and talk about saying something with little. Yeah, this is another. Scene. This does not exist in the book. Georgie's body is found. Yeah. So there is no hunt for his body or anything like that. But 
And and that's the thing. It takes a lot of terrorizing by Pennywise for the boys to, for Bill to say, all right, whatever this thing is, we need to go and kill it. And Bill does have that conversation in the book. This movie does a better way of trying to get that across as the kids are missing. Because even uh, the other child that you mentioned is missing. Her body is found as well at some point. Yeah. So she's not missing. There are child murders, not missing children. And that that's a difference here. And I think that's also another change due to era as well. In the 50s, I think it's a lot more likely that child murders could just go under the radar in just some small town. Yeah. I don't believe that'd be the case in like 1980s Unsolved Mysteries America. Yeah. But missing children? My kids go missing all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, well, it's a really sad, and but it's a good way to show Bill's grief and obsession. That's really the thing that I like about it. Is one of the things I lamented about the other miniseries is that you know Bill fucking hates Pennywise, mm-hmm. and I can't stress that enough. Like his hatred powers him through his fear, and that's a it's something Pennywise didn't count on. And I, I love that element about Pennywise. He didn't understand that yeah you know he's like oh i can use this to make him afraid yeah but you also piss him the fuck off yeah and yeah and that's that pennywise didn't see that coming and that that's one of the interesting things about his characters pennywise is also so much like a child he just doesn't understand us to some extent yeah and you know it's his undoing but this 